This broadcast is intended for a mature audience so that I can swear. You're listening to The Red Hour, a Star Trek podcast with Rusi Offenron Kapadia and Colin Harcourt Fenton Mud Campbell. Oh, is it? We're good to go now. Oh, okay. All right, Campbell. There is he. It's Wednesday. Yes. We just watched an episode. Yes, we did. Let's talk about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we just watched For the World is Hollow and I've Touched the Sky. Uh, still season three. Uh, and uh, pretty good. I like this episode. I yeah, like this, episode. this is an awesome episode. And actually, man, it's it's, it's good to find a, a truly awesome uh, season three episode. I mean, we've taken such big gaps between doing these recordings. I can't remember if, <laughs> what the last few were. No. But, uh, but this is an awesome episode. Well, I mean, uh, you know, now having said that, perhaps I'm going to walk it back slightly. I mean, it's it's awesome in that I enjoy it. I enjoy the episode, and I pretty much always do. And I think it's it's pretty good on, on its merits. But it's not to say it's without fault. Uh, Wait, you're saying imperfection? I mean, well, error. I you know, slight imperfection. You know, but I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll, I'll be mollified over the course of this and uh, and come around to to another point of view. Okay, fine. Let's do the uh, synopsis. Okay, so uh, they're traveling in space pretty innocuously. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, Red alert. all of a sudden, uh, they detect these uh, oncoming missiles. Uh, dispatch them uh, from you know initially you know point on origin point unknown. Yeah. Uh, they destroy the missiles. Uh, locate the pa- uh, uh, source, source of the missiles. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, it's an asteroid. They quickly determine is an unnatural asteroid because it's uh, moving under its own power, and uh, and has been you know en route for you know uh, uh, tens of thousands of years. And uh, it's got uh, an artificial uh, interior, and evidently, uh, uh, people, you know, people inside. I don't know, and you know, and so they they uh, they eventually discover and meet said people, and uh, and then uh, you know, uh, stuff happens. But but uh, do you think it's weird when Spock initially says like postulates that you know the, its creators have been dead for for thousands of years? Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny that that initial scene when they discuss uh, what they know about the asteroid, because uh, you know, first of all, you know, first first off to emphasize sort of like the creativeness and interestingness of the episode, uh, they always make Kirk or Spock, generally Kirk being like befuddled or baffled, being like, but that's an asteroid. How could missiles have originated from an asteroid? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I noticed that too. And uh, It's like, no imagination. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that hard. Like, yeah. we could do that. Well, it's, anyway, basically, it, it's trying to like, you know, highlight the fact that was, it's, was, that was it's it a how or a why question. No, it's, it's, it's like, a, it was a how. Um, and, and, and to sort of like indicate just, just how interesting this, this uh, plot line is. Uh, but the interesting thing was that Spock uh, then, uh, then says like, well, it is possible, Captain, that it could come from this asteroid. And he starts postulating himself. And then, and then he just gives a readout of the fact that the asteroid is hollow. It has inhabitants. It has <laughs> engine power. And it is currently producing like impulse thrust. And it's like, so he could see the readout when, <laughs> you know, when Kirk was asking him, you know, like, what is this thing kind of thing? He's like, I, it looks like an asteroid, sir. And then, <laughs> and then as soon as like Kirk is given his, his guess and Spock is given his guess, he just continues the readout. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's been, it's like, it's like a slow drip of, uh, of, of exposition, uh, gently parceled out in, in much the same way that Mulder would do. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you missed, uh, well, quite a lot in your rather, yeah, I know, thing. But, but anyway, so basically, uh, I figured we covered Yeah, that. but yeah, after they first contact the asteroid desk, you know, uh, Kirk gets called down to the sick bay, and uh, Nurse Chapel calls him down so that uh, you know she can reveal that uh, Doctor McCoy has a, a terminal disease called xenopolycythemia. Uh, Xeno, yeah, I think so. Anyway, uh, so he's got terminal disease. He's only got one year to live, um, and uh, yeah. Anyway, then they then then they go back to the um, back to the bridge, assess the fact that the asteroid is hollow. 
and it's go it's on an impact course for this planet Darren or something like that, um, where it will kill you know three point two billion people. So they decide to beam on board. Uh, McCoy goes with them, and Campbell. And what? He falls in love with a girl uh, on that planet. Okay, okay, yeah, but I mean, that, don't you think that's leaping straight for the clitoris a tiny bit? Slightly. Okay. Um, so, so they yeah, go down so to I mean, the planet. You know, it's initially rocky. There's like some structures. They stand around, you know, stupidly, you know, wondering what to do, and are jumped very conveniently from a whole bunch of people who who uh, emerge from uh, from like you know, yes. hidden passageways. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're overpowered by these, uh, you know. Uh, Short sword, uh, dashiki wearing uh, people. Oh, do uh, they have swords? Yeah, they had like they short yeah, Roman you're swords. Right. You're right. Yeah, they didn't cut anyone. They just like you know bonked uh, McCoy over the head with like you know the the pommel or whatever. And they're they're a pretty reactive uh, security force, considering that they probably haven't had any concerning security concerns in ten thousand. Yeah, they years. were on the ball. Yeah, they were like you know it's I don't know they must have some some uh, constant protocol in effect. Anyone anytime uh, anyone comes, they just have to run up there and just like beat them up. Yeah. So Campbell, what did you like about this episode? Um, I just like the, you know, I, I don't think it goes crazy with any one specific concept, and uh, you know, there's there's nothing you know uh, blow your mind uh, about this episode. I just think it like uh, it's it's uh, solid and it hits the usual sort of Star Trekky kind of uh, kind of basis, you know. Uh, it's got it's got a lot of the standard tropes. I think we should talk more about you know like what happens in the episode before I re- you know we we talk okay, about what we like about it because it's it's pretty much tied up in what happens because because once you meet the people of Yonada for it is called Yonada yeah uh, you uh, you eventually find out that yada 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 it's a standard you know uh, regressive species whose development is kept in check by an a external uh, yeah by a by by a computer which like. You know, dictates not only their way of life and their teachings and what information they're allowed to do to to have access to, but also uh, you know through these uh, subdermal implants that uh, you know cause you pain uh, and potentially kill you if you start thinking about stuff that's bad. Yeah. And uh, and obviously there's uh, there's a lot that's bad uh, because if you're at all inquisitive about the nature of your world and uh, and uh, and quite possibly like you know some of the broader. Uh, 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 ideological questions or existential questions that man faces uh, you know I think the computer just like shocks you shocks you if you get too curious shocks you if you start asking questions you know initially when uh, they're uh, held captive uh, they're okay they're initially brought before the computer right the oracle yep. you know in their standard temple room and uh, you know the oracle speaks to them in a booming voice and decides to like electrocute them for no good reason well, he says, you know, if you are to learn what it is to be a friend of Yonada, first learn it, what it is to be one of our enemies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the computer counters that. It's, I, I mean, Kirk says, like, you know, we're, we're just strangers here, explorers. You know, we, we, we just want to be friends. We're totally peaceful. And the computer's like, oh, yeah, screw you. And then uh, then just shocks them. And uh, what would you think about that? Don't you think that was like a little bit of an overreaction or uh, like seemed very emotional as well for a computer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's true. Um do you think I mean, it's just like asserting the stick first and then giving the carrot? Yeah, I don't know. Like in in some of these things, they act like these um, you know these ancient AIs are not sort of capable of handling change and like things you know coming up. But you know, presumably this thing is. It's just weird that it's not more concerned with the fact that these this alien species is here now because obviously the AI knows that it's an asteroid. Isn't it a little bit concerned that these random strangers are going to reveal that it's an asteroid? That's a good point, but it doesn't seem to be too problematic because, like, because uh, when they're first put in uh, captivity, they're uh, they're being you know uh, held in this room with this uh, with this guy who uh, just happens to be you know just uh, you know being detained for uh, for wrong think for uh, for for having uh, subversive thoughts. You're talking about the old man. Yeah. 
No, he just wandered into their room. He just wandered. I thought he was being uh, held there. No, just no, like... no, no, no. He just wandered in. That's not a very good system. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so so for some reason, well, maybe he sought them out because they were strangers or whatever. Or yeah, he did. New- newcomers. He sought them okay. out. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so so we came to warn them that uh, that uh, thinking uh, bad thoughts can get you killed, and no sooner that he does that. Then uh, he thinks bad thoughts and uh, and is killed. By the yeah, computer. and he reveals to them that uh, when he was younger, he climbed the mountains where it was forbidden to climb, and he touched the sky and realized the world was hollow. Yeah, so very much uh, forbidden knowledge. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then he dies, uh, and uh, and so I guess that's uh, that's what the computer does, right? Because because at least you know I think uh, uh, Natira, the matriarch of the planet, she 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 refers to the creators at least once as like kind of like analogous to gods, right? You know, or yeah, or sort of like uh, you know, creators and the oracle. So you know, so so they definitely got that idea from someone. So they definitely exist in a situation where where the computer is allowing uh, them uh, to perceive him as uh, as a god. You know, yeah. That that obviously helps uh, helps helps with the uh, you know the uh, steer them away from the forbidden knowledge and uh, and further ensconce them in uh, some kind of uh, cognitive dissonance, right? Yes. Assuming I know what that means. I mean, how, how could it not? We we talk about it almost every time we meet. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, so so, what do you think the motivation uh, is on the part of the uh, the computer? Why is it? Why, okay, I guess my question is why why is it so uh, old testamenty? Why is it like uh, you know like unnecessarily vengeful God as opposed to like you know just uh, logical like uh, why is it more like the Garden of Forever or uh, you know even like. Uh, well, I, I think you're getting into way too many details for what is a relatively simple premise. Okay, yeah, I, I would disagree. But the you know the premise is basically is is a cool one. You know the the idea that people you know can can be like living in like a hollow ball and not realize that they're uh, uh, living in a hollow ball. Living in a hollow ball. I mean, it's it's the same way. I I think it's kind of cool the idea that uh, so I mean you know the the universe as we know it right now is like stretching out right. And at a certain Go point, okay, and at a certain point, the light from distant stars will be will be too far away to reach us. Uh-huh. So uh, if you know, if we grew up like a few millennia from now, and our sun, let's say we were, in one there'd of be the, much less of the universe to see. Yeah, a lot less of the universe to see, and, that, and presumably there's a, there'll be a point where, although I've been disabused of this fact because I think the age the suns will die out before this happens. But let's okay, say that you had, a, yeah. let's say you had one of the last generation suns, you know, that you could have a situation in or you this just universe existed in space outside of the sun. No, like no. In, okay, in, let's just say, for example, you were one of the one of the the last burning suns. You could be in a situation where everything was so far from everything else that then, that you know, uh, no light from each other could. Uh, no, yeah, no light from no light or information could, could travel. Could come and then you would be a hundred percent justified, even scientifically justified, in believing that your planet was special, because it's all there is in creation. You know, so if like for instance, you know, I mean, humans originally we thought we were special because uh, we were the only you know thinking animals. Uh, and then we thought, you know, that the sun orbits us, and then when we realized the sun, we we didn't, you know. So you mean it's like it's like a metaphor for explaining the uh, the stages we go through in knowledge and like the stuff we don't know and before we acquire that knowledge, right? I mean, like it's uh, like 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 uh, like a flat Earth analogy. Yeah, based I on mean, what you said about yes, yes. heliocentrism. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're taking it further than than I am, which is which is just that <laughs> which is just that it's it's uh, eminently like believable, and it's an interesting thought experiment, uh, because yeah, you know, if if you know, for instance, like, let's say that we were in, like, uh, you know, a hollow sphere. Like, we wouldn't really know until we, like, actually flew out into space. Or if until uh, that guy from Blink-182 releases a video explaining it. Did you hear about that? <laughs> no, I'm assuming this is the flat Earth thing. Yes. Uh, no, it's a hollow Earth. It's like a, it's not an offshoot, but it's like 
I would say it's adjacent to Hollow Earth and that uh, Flat Earth and that it, you know it also attracts people who uh, who have fucked up ideas about the world and uh, who for whatever reason are suspicious of like science and like you know yeah uh, collectivized information and who don't believe in stuff like satellites. Um, but yeah, and like, I, I guess, I guess it's a, it's similar to a sort of like, are we living in a dream world? Are we living in a matrix? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. All right. But I like this one better because it's in it's, terms of like ignorance, ignorance to the, uh, the, the, the larger universe you're in and, uh, and, and, and to a degree as a self-imposed, uh, uh, ignorance. Uh, no, not a self-imposed ignorance. Just like, you know, like, like. Basically, you know, could we be living in like an artificial world, or could we could could like could what we see not re- be real? Anyway, I, I just I, I I mean it it is like I guess a variation on a theme, but I think it's like a, an interesting one, and it's like a lot more. Um, <laughs> I don't know. As a variant, I find it like more more interesting. You know, more believable. Well, I like I like anything based around the idea that like you know the thing that everyone thinks or the thing that that most people think is uh, is is in fact a lie, and uh, and the real truth is. Is, uh, is is hidden somehow, you know. Uh, I guess you know, like akin to like uh, the Truman Show, you know, yes. like that, the, you know, where he uh, where he finally uh, finds finds the edges of his uh, his his preconstructed fantasy world. Yep. I, I think there'd, there'd be a cool episode like that. It's, it's sort of has the same kind of thing, yeah. you know, where the guy was talking about yeah, climbing, but, climbing and, that mountain. But anyway, so that's that, that's one element, and then the other element is that um, you know it was like an ancient species who was dying, and uh, there's like a oh yeah, that's right, and there's like a Noah's Ark thing. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like an exodus. Yeah, it's like an exodus. Like you know, the the I guess the brightest people or whatever, some some segment of the people are put on this boat. <laughs> some probably arbitrary. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> you know, and, and and sent away, and that also is kind of like a cool concept. Um, yeah, I mean, otherwise it shares a lot of similarities with with the some of the other episodes. Like for instance, the um, the episode where Kirk thinks he's an Indian god. Uh-huh. Uh Is that this side of paradise? Um, no, that's another episode. You're thinking of Paradise Syndrome. Oh, Paradise Syndrome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so in that case, you know, there's like a there's like a computer temple that yeah. uh, deflects asteroids or whatever. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who set up that one. Well, I don't think it was ever. I I could be wrong, oh, maybe but I don't think it was ever established. Yeah. Yeah, and then you've got uh, the. Uh, is it the apple? The apple with that uh, with Val, yeah. Uh, also protecting the you know this group of people, yeah. Um, and like same thing in Return of the Archon concept, it was just a planet that was like you know artificially maintained in a state of ignorance, yep. You know by a computer for kind of reasons unknown or you know yeah 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 just to promote stable government I guess. Yeah. Um, not to make it sound tired or a it's bad a bit, idea. Well, but it's a, no, it's, it's like it's 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 okay, and 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 we have to contextualize it as being like you know among the first couple hundred instances of it being done <laughs> in science fiction, you know. So I'll I'll give it that. Yeah, and it was it was kind of cool the way you know just like you know they 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 had to do a bit of sort of uh, intellectual set dressing for us and being like you know it's like wow you know. It's like it's like it's it's crazy to believe these people actually think they're on a planet, not some spaceship. You know when yeah. you know it's like very you know like labely words you know for both of these things. You know it's like what is a spaceship? Obviously, it's like a constructed thing that travels through space. But I mean, you know, yeah, a like planet a, could could be yeah, considered a spaceship. It's, it's a question of definitions, surely. Yeah, uh, a couple of minor bizarre things on this episode. Uh, at the beginning, when they're talking about the asteroid, you know they say like, you know Spock says something like you know it's an asteroid but with no orbit. It's just passing through the solar system. Yeah. As though that's weird. Like, I mean, that's not weird. Well, it is a bit weird in that even stuff that, like, passes through our solar system, you know, can can still be a part of just, like, yeah. an incredibly wide yes. elliptical orbit, you know? Yeah. That it's, that it's entirely rare for, like, a cosmic traveler to have, you know, 
come completely from outside from like say another uh, solar system yeah. and to and to pass through ours if only because like you know there's like just you know there's so much empty space thing you know okay fine fine it's a little bit of a quibble but i mean like like and anything that's in our solar system in a way that suggests it got there by means other than being attracted by the the gravity well right you think that makes sense no, no, yeah, yes, I like. I, I know that there are massive like asteroids, like like that actually like fly through, and they're just on like a way bigger orbit. Anyway, it just it was just what okay, weird fine. thing to say because it, it could have been on a, just like a massive orbit that you know that they, they just didn't know about. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, uh, what else? So there's the whole thing, the whole the whole crux of the issue. The at least the uh, the, the the crux of the the uh, the issue that makes it an interesting episode. Like you said, it's it's one of very few episodes, potentially no more than three. Where uh, where where Leonard McCoy uh, has uh, has has a dalliance with uh, the opposite sex and and this ostensibly reminds, uh, falls in love. There, there, there was this like uh, interview with Anthony Hopkins and he was like talking. He was like he'd, he'd filmed like another uh, uh, one of those uh, Sons of the Lamb uh, prequels or sequels or whatever, and uh, he was trying to explain like you know his interest in the movie and he was like having trouble explaining it. So he's like, but I definitely think this movie is one of the better ones in this series. <laughs> and there are only three. <laughs> anyway, uh, but but basically, uh, yeah. It's so, okay. The, the, the other things about this episode are that it's the, um, it's a, you know, a McCoy gets laid episode. Uh-huh. Of which there are only that, you know, we were bouncing around while we were watching it. I think three, right? It was like uh, Shore Leave, The Empath, and the other one you said? Uh, yeah, with, Shore uh, Leave. Uh, Private Little War, maybe? No. No, 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 no. no. Um, uh, McCoy. I only want McCoy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's the um, the one with the boomerangs. Yeah, so that's yeah. So uh, again. Oh, Friday's Child. Oh, okay, okay, nice work. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, okay, yes, it's got that going for it, and I mean that's not a minor minor thing because McCoy is an awesome character. He he very rarely gets you know like I guess the I opportunity guess. for character of evolution. Yeah. Yeah, character advancement. Yeah, no, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. Like, uh, I think I think we get a lot of uh, good McCoy stuff. So first of all, he is he is not as like immature and babyish as either Spock or Kirk have been in the exact same situation. So he's like instance, he's like stubbornly stoic, but like not emotionally so. No, he's he, he's like a regular, real motherfucking person. Because well, when, if you're if you're well, hold on a second, hold on a second. Gauge for that is like nobody talk about anything ever. <laughs> no, no, but like when Spock had his fucking seven year freakout. Or seven year itch, or whatever you want to call it. I think it's called Ponfire. Yeah, fine, Ponfire, whatever. You know, he was like, he was like, I won't tell anybody, and I'm just gonna like, I'm gonna let my heart explode. Yeah, yeah. Which Obviously, really that's stupid. like personal insecurity and cultural insecurity. Yeah, right? that was yeah, that was like super stupid. And then like you know, um, I mean, you know, Kirk is is generally you know just like a ticking time bomb of insanity mm-hmm. if you ask him anything personal. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas McCoy, you know, he's sort of like he wants it to be kept secret, but then like he tells he tells Kirk, you know, he's like. Just don't tell that other guy. And he, he tells him in like a really dramatic way. It's actually, it's actually, if, if you have to tell someone that you're dying, it's probably the best way to do it. <laughs> There's someone like, dying, Jim. Like, what? <laughs> in fact, it's one of us. One of the two of us. Yeah, exactly. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I enjoyed. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so, he, so he, he, he tells Kirk and then he just tells Kirk, you know, like, in order for me to be effective, it would probably be a good idea if you kept, it, kept this to yourself. And Kirk's like, I like, the, I like the way Kirk handles it too. He just sort of like shows a bit of concern. But then he like comes back up to the bridge, and in his log, he's just sort of like, "Well, I, asked, I had to order a replacement," and it's just sort of like, you know, he knows that the he he has a job, and his job is is he's got to you know get the next doctor in. Uh, 
And then when he and then when they're on the planet and uh, McCoy gets injured a couple times, you know, he decides like, okay, I, I got to tell Spock. You know, it's his mission critical that he knows this now. Because Spock, although he didn't say say as much, he was like his his reaction was like, why is McCoy being such a baby about being shocked? <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I was shocked. I'm fine. Don't you see? I'm fine. Yeah, actually, they they, they, they were trying to like come up with contrivances for how Spock you know, would become suspicious. Although they didn't really make a lot of sense. One of them was just sort of that, like after getting electroshocked and not waking up within <laughs> the same three seconds yeah. that Spock and uh, Kirk woke up. He's like, whoa, it's been 5.6 seconds. Is well, there something you're not telling me? <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> um, but anyway, but then he, but then he reveals that uh, he's got a sickness. And so I think, I think it's, it was, it was a good call on, you know, Kirk's part, you know, to, you know, cause it's like, they're all adults, and like you know, this this is now relevant to the mission. So he's got to tell Spock. And McCoy doesn't like have a hissy fit. He's just sort of like, oh, okay, Spock knows. It's a little bit awkward. Uh, and of course, that leads to one of my favorite uh, Spock scenes, brief though it is, uh, when Spock just sort of like stares at McCoy, and McCoy just stares awkwardly back at him, and then he's like, okay, thank you. That's like Spock showing his concern. <laughs> um, anyway, so we, we, on I, the McCoy, yeah, on the McCoy like character development, yeah. So I like the I like the way he handles that, and then um, I like Star Trek has, it, it can do these like uh, love affairs like nobody like I, the way that they can build from zero to like you know full on like uh, uh, soulmates is like crazy because they did it in uh, you know with Kirk with um, on uh, you know sitting edge of forever like mm-hmm. in that episode it was, it was like you know 42 minutes or whatever and it was a believable love story where like you know they, they got to know each other they fell in love and whatever. Oh, yeah. and this, I'll remember that. For you know, later. And this one they did the exact same thing, um, and they sort of like they they it was it was just believable. It was really good because the um, they played some of it off as her just being alien. But so within like five like, minutes, Nichiro was like, "We should get married." Yeah, I know, and and but and, and he responded in a in a regular way, which was like, "What? That, that's fucking crazy!" Like, but okay, we were strangers to each other, <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, but aren't all men and women initially strangers to each other?" And isn't isn't uh, part of the pleasure learning about each other? And he's like, "Yeah, yeah it was reductive, right. but she's not wrong." Yeah, so um, yeah, so it was it was just believable, and of course, like you know, in the same way that a picture tells a thousand words, McCoy's eyeballs tell like fucking ten thousand. Yeah, he acts and in very that, well in with that, his eyes. And then, yeah, and in that first scene when they get and like the flesh directly underneath his eyes. Yeah, yeah, when they have those like, uh, <laughs> I like the fact that they get. Uh, this is also um, like a, a repeat trope from Star Trek. But when they when they land when they sort of first beam down, they're walking around, they're checking things out, and then they all simultaneously like turn inward to not face the obvious threat from outside where they're being ambushed from. <laughs> yeah, where they're being ambushed from, and then these guys jump out, and it's, it's so you you know you'll be a little bit. Uh, one assumes there was something super interesting in the direction they were all looking. Yeah, but anyway, but then like, um, but then they do a good scene where uh, McCoy is, is is supposed to act besotted, and would you say he did a good fucking job? I mean, he just sort of maybe like, it wasn't paying attention, but yeah, sure. Yeah, because 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 like you know like the guards come and they start thwacking them over the heads, and McCoy's about to beat one of the guards. Oh yeah, 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 and, and then he and sees then, a woman, and then he sees that that woman, and he's like, and he oh, freezes my completely. God. Yeah, yeah, but what? not but not Why in like a cheesy that? like, like, uh, like Rocky way. Balboa. <laughs> what do I what did I say? You said, "Oh my god." <laughs> Sorry. But anyway, but but anyway, it was not in like a checkoff way. It was it, you know, he wasn't sort of like giving her the eye or whatever or or smiling. He was like he was he, he was like treating it like being disturbed, which I think is more believable, you know, uh way that you would not that I have any first-hand experience with this, but if you were to if you were to actually like fall in love in first sight, you know, you would Do you think it's like akin to a horror factor? Yes, exactly. You just find it disturbing. You're just like you're, you're just like your heart stops. And you're like, oh my god, what the fuck is this? And that's that's what he looked like. Sudden uh, deprivation of uh, blood, I would think. Yeah, like he he, he just stared like you know like, what I like, mean. Yeah, like kind of in fear. Uh, and it was good. So so a very well sold uh, love story. 
that's that's what this episode's got going for it, and a lot of McCoy stuff. Uh, I like the fact that McCoy also uh, makes again a good call where um, he reveals to uh, Natiri that he's got a year to live, and she's like, "Okay, well, let's let's make that year beautiful." Uh, and he tells Kirk, he's like, "Kirk, I'm staying." And Kirk's like, "Whoa, you can't stay. You're, you're you're like, you know, you're part of the crew." And he's like, he's like, "Well, what's the, what's the point? I'm gonna die anyway." And Kirk's like, "All right." I mean, one could argue, what's the point anyway? So I guess we should lay out what actually happens in the uh, episode so as to okay, fine, explain fine. our thoughts. Okay, fine, finish it so, off. So, so, okay, so once on the planet, they obviously discover the Unadans. Uh, they discover their plight, the fact that the, uh, the asteroid's controlled by a computer. It's on a collision course with a heavily populated planet. Uh, and, uh, and they want to obviously, you know, uh, alter the course of the planet and incidentally fuck with everyone's lives uh, in as much of a prime directive-y, violation-y way as possible. Uh... Uh, Natira falls in love with uh, Bones. Bones basically agrees to stay, not only yeah. to stay, but like uh, to be, you know, basically a United citizen and like subject to their, as as we've seen, extreme laws and like thought control. Instrument which, of which obedience. Which is, yeah, and the instrument of obedience, uh, which is like, a, you know, applied uh, under the skin uh, on, on the sides of the temple. Yeah. And it's like, uh, he, he seems to uh, totally buy into their spiel without asking a lot of questions. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, and uh, when, when, uh, Kirk and Spock try to uh, basically strong arm the computer, like muscle in and, and like beat it up, like steal its change or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the computer like shocks them and they're like, sorry, you know, we, we didn't meet it. And Natira comes in and, and, you know, like shouts at them, you know, for like insulting her God uh, and stuff like that, which is like, you know, a fair point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because even I, as disrespectful of I am, as I am of, uh, of like religion, don't go like, you know, right up to like, you know, that place, oh, I don't know the names of anything. You know, that main place in the church, you know, with that thing. And like, yeah, sure, like touching the thing or like, you know, rubbing snot on the crucifix. You know, I'm, 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 I'm you know, somewhat respectful. But, uh, yeah, so uh, so once I'm, they realize there's nothing they can do, uh, they beam back to the uh, Enterprise uh, without the, uh, uh, without McCoy. Uh, while on the Enterprise, uh, I don't know, do they realize, do they figure out somehow to change the uh, No, no, change no, the McCoy course? calls them because he figures oh, out that's that, right. that, 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 that uh, he's found out where they keep the book that'll describe how the mechanism works that, you know, navigates the ship. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so so upon hearing that, they come back. Uh, even in trying to relay the message about, uh, you know, him discovering the mechanism behind the how the planet works or whatever, obviously uh, the Oracle goes bzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzz
goes back on his previous word and decides not to spend the rest of his life uh, with uh, with Natira. Yeah, because he realizes he doesn't want to fucking be in a in a backwater uh, culture like that. I mean, are you sure? Yes, that's yes. what explicitly you know because yeah, yeah, he because talks it, about the universe and exploring no, and stuff. He, no, because 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 he got tortured by that thing and then he was like, yeah, but uh, he's not gonna be tortured by it again. No, I know, but he's sort of like you know this makes me want to like get out there and like uh, you know try and find a cure or whatever. I mean, okay, fine. I'm not gonna you know because that no, is what he matter. said. But but it, do you it, it, but do you think it's like it's like a shoddy excuse as a stand-in for? classic male fear of commitment <laughs> what no i don't what, you, you don't at i all. don't but but I, I you don't think the situation even like smacks of that even like a tiny bit on the no, face what, of it no what i do like is casual that, observation what i do like is, is is the fact that there is like an element of, of mccoy that you know wants to be like a, an eternal bachelor because um you know when, when he's talking to natiri and he's sort of thinking in terms gonna, of relationship or <laughs> well he's basically he's basically all about being in a committed relationship when he thinks he's gonna die and then as soon as he thinks he's not gonna die he's like i'm fucking out of here yeah yeah you're not wrong about that which i think feeds more into the the uh, the fear of commitment you know because it's like it's one thing campbell it, you know what? it doesn't always have to be a fear of commitment maybe it's just sort of like wanting to fucking be out there by yourself i agree it's not always but i think this particular one is oh, anyway but it's such a, what i like is the fact that he's like uh you know when she's talking to him in the sensitive moment you know uh you know, she she's like, has your life been lonely? And he's like, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Lonely. More than you could ever know. <laughs> he's like, very lonely. You said it, sister. <laughs> very lonely. Uh, but then as soon as he's given the chance, he's like, man, I want to get back to that lonely but, life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's like, you know, it's it's absolutely fine for the sake of the episode and, you know, making sure there's like another, you know, following episode. Yeah. But but in terms of like the personal logic, personal continuity, you know, the personal story of uh, Letter McQuay, I think it was just, just kind of weird, you know? No, I think it's totally logical. No, it's not weird. It's not weird. <laughs> no, no. He thought he was gonna die. Some like alien chick like proposed to him. Yeah, but he sort of like he was gonna sure. die at the end. Not that well. Okay, we okay, show what no, happens. No, 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 no. Because he said he was gonna stay with her. She's like, he's like, he's like, come back with me to the ship. We're gonna like, you know, we're gonna go around and try and find cure. That's in my mind. And then she's like, I left the oven on at home. No, no. She's like, she's like, no, no. I gotta stay here, you know. And then he's like, okay, fine. Then I'll stay with you. All of that is moot because they very quickly and very conveniently find a cure for McCoy's illness in the Fabrini database we should say that uh, the the planet slash ship slash asteroid was manufactured by a race called the Fabrini from a previously destroyed solar system yeah so and they conveniently find the uh, the MacGuffin in the form of like their complete scientific archives which yeah. which I'd forgotten about okay uh, so 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 yeah so so again cure cure him in like absolutely no time flat you know yeah. it's like problem done you know and then and then it's back to business and he doesn't even once like you know think about uh, you know the the huge direction his life could have turned and like you know, going back on well, that. Well, we don't know if he thinks about that. That's not a re- not, that's not relevant. Doesn't seem to indicate that he does. Well, Campbell, we've only got like a snapshot, but he <laughs> but he's basically like on the bed. He's cured, and then uh, and then Kirk. Uh, one of the things I love, because he's always looking at, out for his uh, his staff, is uh, he says, you know what? I think we can find a way to be in the vicinity when uh, you uh, yeah yeah Atlanta yeah reaches its 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 target planet. And McCoy just like smiles and like nods. It's it's good. Yeah. Okay. That was cool. You and know, like it's, and it's and, an and I like I like it's one of like, one of the few callbacks in an episode that says you know it's like maybe. You know, maybe this isn't the last we've heard of, you know, yada, yada. And like, you know, yeah. even though they don't follow through, but yeah. anyway. Now, now, I periodically bring this up and, you know, maybe I shouldn't, but I will anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there is like, like, um, I mean, there is like a male fantasy element to this and many episodes like it. Okay. Uh, you know, in terms of like the- dating a chick from a, <laughs> from a less civilized culture. No, just like, just like, just like, sort of like, um, yeah, like an, you know, uh, an alien love affair, you know, with this, uh, this, you know, unimaginably be- beautiful woman who sort of throws herself a- at you and just sort of wants to please you, and uh, 
it happens over and over again in Star Trek, and there is like a a, a fantasy, a male fantasy element there. That okay, I can't, so it's, I can't where it's, help where it's but, like, entirely enjoy. motivationally driven by the female, who like basically implies that she's willing to be like completely subservient no, and or, or completely responsive to like the male needs, and as though it's like it's their cultural custom, and it would be rude to say no. Am I wrong? Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like um, I Dream of Genie or Bewitched. It's in that vein where it's just sort of like. I guess they're kind of like the, the, the ultimate, implication is to serve your master, the ultimate girlfriend kind of thing. But do you disagree with like the, the bit of the subtext of serving your master? Uh, I mean, I guess it's a, I mean, she was still the matriarch of the whole species, but she seemed to indicate that, you know, like, you know, no, no, she wasn't indicating any sort of subservience or anything. No, it was just sort of like a slight male fantasy. And that it's just sort of like, you know, a beautiful woman who's like super uh, into you and just wants to do anything to please you. That. So the male, so 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 the male uh, fantasy is uh, women who are attracted to men, <laughs> and and who want to sleep with them. I mean, I guess I guess you're right. I, I, I'm I'm, you know, I'm I'm down with that. But is there anything more to it? Is there any component that because 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 I will completely agree with the with the the overarching concept that that you mentioned of like you know reoccurring, reoccurring male fantasies in Star Trek that are if anything just like more revealing of like how fucked up the producers or writers were you know than anything else. Well, okay, but but I mean like. Is it fucked up to like have that fantasy or to uh, see that fantasy played out in like a show? Like, wh- what's fucked up about it? Um, well, in in the cases, it's in some cases more than others, and in some cases more revealing than others. But like in the first one, where like you know, well, the the introduction and reoccurring use of the trope of the uh, Orion slave girl, you know, as though it's like, you know, a she's like you know biologically Im, uh, uh, impossible to resist yeah and you know see the idea that well I mean it's I think it's kind of in the name you know yeah implied yeah. implied in the name although to Star Trek's uh, uh, credit? Uh, credit yes they they end up uh, correcting that uh, 30 some odd years later in an episode of Enterprise where it's uh, revealed that the uh, Orion women are the matrix of the uh, the entire uh, civilization and they're basically just able to like lead the entire male population around you know through pheromonal means and like achieve their their secret will did huh. you ever see that episode no i didn't but that doesn't sound progressive so much as reverse reversal of a situation yeah all right fine that's your point <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's a nice it's a nice spin it's a nice twist on on what was you know, otherwise i think uh you know uh born out of a, a bit of a revealing uh, male fantasy trope hmm. okay anyway fine point is uh i uh i dig that element of this episode here um one of the things I like, uh, which which uh, sort of is sort of um, a, a good sort of interaction between like Spock, Kirk, and McCoy, is that uh, as you know, as soon as they're down on the planet and they've interacted a few times with Natiri, uh, Kirk and Spock have both independently picked up on the fact that she's big time into like McCoy, uh, and they're like, uh, yeah, Bones, like she seems to be really into you, and like Spock concurs, and he's like, if you can find a way to like sort of occupy her, we can you know do some snooping around. And McCoy also doesn't, you know, he he doesn't like sort of like he's not bashful. He doesn't disagree. He is like, yes, like, yes. He's he's just sort of he's just sort of like logical, like nods his head. He's like, yeah, you're right. She digs me. Uh, and then he just gets to work. I like you, that. Use it as leverage. Yeah. So so you're of the James Bond school of uh, any female is just a potential tactical asset to be used in the short term and the long term discarded. Yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> uh, oh, did you actually take notes? Well, I tried, but uh, didn't uh, it's right impressive. Now. Okay, fine. Anyway, so it's a thought that counts. Yeah, I mean, we've we've you know we've covered this in a very nonlinear way. Is there is there anything you you know that you disliked? Um. 
Well, yeah, uh, you know what? It, yeah, it's like uh, looking back, I, I I was I was trying to find like nitpicks that I would assume I assumed that I would have, but uh, but like except for like yeah, like I said, except for the the aforementioned, not for certain, but like potential uh, uh, for for bones to be suffering from what I think is otherwise a totally cliched thing of like you know uh, a male fear of commitment. Uh, and it's just like how, how that whole situation, how his turnabout wasn't really resolved and how I, I don't, I'm just, I guess I have more questions than anything about like the, his, his transition and decisions, you know, uh, and some additional logistical questions about the planet itself. But I, yeah, I guess other than that, it's, uh, I, I guess it's fine. It's, uh, it's, it's cool. It ticks all the boxes. It doesn't, uh, it has all that, uh, it needs to in an episode. And I guess I have no real complaints. So I guess, I guess I was yeah, wrong before. Good. All right. Well, I've only got a couple of closing, uh, things that I like and want to bring up. So at one point, uh, uh, Kirk and Spock are doing that thing where they're like back and forth, uh, sort of, uh, you know, explaining, you know, what you know what the alien species is about, you know, and and like uh, sort of theorizing, <laughs> and uh, and they they, they they basically you know come across the theory that uh, you know this is this is the Fabrini, this this has been like a you know an automatically driven ship for ten thousand years. Um, and he goes, uh, so Spock, would you say that my assumptions are exactly correct and that there is no room for error? And he goes, none, no doubt whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the fact that it's, it's just so weird the way like, um, Spock and he, he does it in other episodes. I probably couldn't pick yeah, up yeah. like, but, like but, but I just love the fact that he's, he's, he's so certain about he's certain, so certain things about certain that, that we would otherwise consider like suppositions. Yes. Maybe contingent on things, but, but, yes. but yeah, he's like, no. It's yeah, it's totally this, and there's no thought of even considering the alternative possibility. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I, I treat that as just sort of like you know engineering efficiency that he just sort of saying for all practical purposes there is no, you know, <laughs> no doubt that it is this. I, I I see a lot of that stuff in Spock as just him like, you know, using sort of black and white kind of dialectical things because he knows anything more gray or nuanced uh, won't really compute yeah. in these in these soft humans. So yeah. he just like he 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 tells a fib just to make them make their lives easier. So no doubt. No. None. Um, okay, then uh, I also like the fact that, uh, you know, how passionate uh, Kirk is when he's trying to explain. Um, actually, anytime Kirk tries to explain, uh, you know, their presence uh, or their mission or anything like that. Or to, broader scientific concepts. Or, or yeah, or, or emotions or love or anything to an alien species. See, the first law of therm- thermodynamics. Yeah, he's always like very impassioned. Uh, and this one's no different. Uh, so when um, Natiri wants to run off and like call the guards, he grabs her. And first, you know, he's like he's like very like rough. He like he uh, he he you know he 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 sort of gags her, prevents her from like speaking, kind of thing. And then he's like, oh, he's like he's like he's like, no, I'm going to speak to you, and you have to listen to what I say, kind of thing. And he's like he's like, and after that, you can like bring in your guards, and we'll accept any punishment you give us, even <laughs> though there's no way he would. But first, let me tell you a story. Ten thousand years ago. No, but it's awesome too, because then he puts conditions. Because then she's like sort of agrees to that, and he's like he's like, but the condition is. You must believe what I'm going to tell you is true. <laughs> Which <laughs> so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not down with that. I, I kind of immediately no, like distrust anyways. So I like that. it. I like it. I like it. Anyway, and then so I like the fact that he grabs her, you know, her her, uh, her by the, the you know, her arms and he shakes her to sort of like, you know, emphasize like how important this is. And that's, then, that's the thing we used to and do then, in the And then he, the tells, he tells like a yarn. He tells a story that is as good as Picard in Darmok. Yeah, you think, or, oh, uh, are you thinking Darmok or, or who watches no, the Watchers? No, no, I'm thinking of Darmok okay. when he goes... In Kidu, oh, okay. you know, um, they fought in the temple. They fought on the streets. They became good friends. So, like the the most reductively simple he way tormented of, the of, people. of telling, uh, he telling a story. He made them hungry. Yeah, exactly. Just like a really simple haiku. And Kirk does the exact same thing here, and it's awesome. He, he just sort of like he stops shaking her, and then he sort of like stares off, and like that uh, that that music starts, and he's sort of like 
Imagine, you know, like is it that? Like, like, no, 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 no. All right, sorry. And, and now you fucking wiped it from my mind, whatever the fuck it was. But but anyway, basically, he 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 turns aside from her and he tells her, and he's like, he's like, he's like, picture a world. The sun is dying. That world, you know, uh, knows that it's 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 going to die, and they send you know a ship. He's like, this is that ship, and then he and, he, and, he, and then he says, uh, you know, and, and he does that thing where he like um, speaks in haltingly. So he goes, he goes. They build a great ship, wish their people to survive. It's very political the way he speaks, don't you think? It's like the the way somehow that he can use like you know his his inflection and 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 uh, yeah, what's what, what do you call that? The rate of speech. Uh, like uh, the cadence, cadence, to like, good, good, to call, like, good word. To use that to some kind of effect to make it seem more sincere, more honest somehow. Do, do, yeah, what you find? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, and it's not, it's not just. I mean, I would like, I would love someone to tell me a story like that. He's like a, he's like a, a born natural bard. Nowadays, he would just start every uh, uh, sentence like with his head uh, hands uh, spread uh, so far apart and and start saying folks, <laughs> and then then he would tell us how it is. Yeah, but anyway, so I, I like that. Uh, I thought that was a good uh, a good storytelling. Um, yeah, beyond that, uh, oh, I also like the fact uh, that, and this is this has occurred before, but fuck, I love it every time. Is he's so dismissive of uh, you know the local people's culture? So uh, you know, Natiri, you know, she's she's just married McCoy, and she's disappointed because. They've removed the instrument of obedience, which means that he's broken his vows. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I, and, it doesn't and, matter. That thing was garbage anyway. You're, <laughs> no, you're no. stupid for liking it. No, no, no. She's like, she, you know, she's she's like upset, and she's like, oh, but he's been re- released from his vow of obedience. Uh, and Kirk and Kirk just like not even looking at her because it says, no, he's he's been freed from a cruel oppressor, <laughs> uh, which I like. It's just sort of uh, that for him, you know, his. Do you think his there's any way views are like are like unassailable, and they are? Uh, do you th- do you think that was a metaphor for uh, maybe like organized religion? <laughs> Campbell, I mean. <laughs> All right, sorry, sorry. It was a dumb question to even ask. Yes. Um, yeah, and I guess I guess that's it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, pretty good. Uh, but I guess we've uh, we've we've drained the tank, and uh, now we can now we can stop. Mosey. Yeah. All right. You have been listening to The Red Hour, a Star Trek podcast with Rusi Kapadia and Colin Campbell.